What's up, everybody? Everybody feeling good? Um, hey, it's been a great ARC conference so far, right? Everybody doing good? Um, I feel like I've been to church at least six times. I think that's how many messages we've had. So um, we're going to have a great time here this afternoon. So glad that you're with us. If you're uh, wondering what this lab is, it's the uh, worship culture, talking about just building a healthy worship culture. Um, if you're in the wrong app session, um, you're free to hang out with us, we're, you know, but uh, we're going to be talking about all things worship. Uh, if you were in our, our uh, app session yesterday, we were talking mostly about, is this really too, is this too loud? Yeah, okay. Okay. You know, I'm a worship person, so I'm always worried about volume levels. Anybody with me? Like, always thinking about that. Um, we talked yesterday a lot about a lot of practical things. Today, we really want to focus in on just building a healthy worship culture. Just the, the kind of the the not the the intangible parts of a worship team. And so, I've got an incredible team with me. We're going to just do it Q and A style. So, we're going to probably do it half and half. If you were in our app session yesterday, kind of same same pattern. Well, I've got a couple questions I'm going to ask them prepared, and then we'll spend the second half of the app session with your questions, okay? So please be uh, prepping for that, um, and, and if you have any questions, be great. Let me start by introducing our incredible team. I'm just going to step back here and just, just look at them for a second. There's beautiful people. Uh, we have over here on the left side, we have Stephen Robertson. He's a worship pastor at Christ Fellowship in West Palm Beach, suffering for the Lord down on the beach. He's, uh, he's got a great tan because of it down in West Palm. Uh, Johnny Hill right next to him is worship pastor and campus pastor um, with Life Church up in Memphis, Tennessee. Why don't you all welcome him today? And he's got some pipes too, if you haven't uh, noticed that yet. He's got some pipes. Tasha Zwanziger is from uh, Northern California. She's a worship pastor at the Father's House in Vacaville, California. Welcome her, everybody. We have Birch Paul here. He's uh, with uh, LifePoint Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia, worship pastor. Welcome him. And uh, it's kind of, it's like a game show, you know, like it's kind of fun. <laughs> Contestant, yeah. And last but certainly not least is Tara Banks. She's the worship pastor at Seacoast Church, Charleston, South Carolina, where the art conference is going to be next year, everybody at Seacoast. Woohoo! Um, so hey, uh, one of the things, let me just start off with this thought. One of the things that I feel like we can tend to think about the least is just what the culture of our team looks like, okay? I feel like, my, so my title, I'm um, the worship pastor here at Church of the Highlands. It's, it's worship pastor. And I feel like the most important half of my title is the title of pastor, and really, when you think about it, if you're, if you're a band leader, a vocal leader, if, you're, if your title says pastor behind it, um, or if you're just a worship leader, somebody who loves to get up in front of people and lead people into worship, it is so important to remember that we're actually shepherds, that we're leading a group of people um, into the presence of God every weekend or every, whatever that is. And so that's really what it's all about. And that's what we want to talk about. So I'm going to jump in. This is just going to be, we'll see who, who is bold enough to jump in first. Um, uh, so let, let's just talk about kind of big, big picture question. Like, what do you think some big points are to building a healthy worship culture, worship team culture? What, what, what do you guys do in your churches? What's the, what's the, you know, your, your thought there. So who's going to do it? Go Johnny. I volunteer's tribute. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for us, when it comes to the worship culture, 
a big part of that is that the worship team is not separated from church life. Um, our hope is that people wouldn't, their hearts wouldn't be just connected to the team and to the platform and to the microphone and to the music, uh, but that their hearts would really be connected to the church. You know, that it's like, even if I wasn't serving on this platform, I feel called to this house and I just want to serve this house uh, in any way, uh, in any way that I can. I heard uh, somebody say one time that that culture will actually even trump vision because you can have a vision, but if your culture can keep you from fulfilling that, fulfilling that vision. I heard Brian Houston, he said culture, um, he said culture is what you allow. And so it's the things that we allow to go uncorrected if something's kind of out of order. And, you know, like when it comes to services, well, our church has a certain culture in our service, you know, and so the same thing with our team. Uh, we have a certain culture, you know, when it comes to stage presence. We have a certain culture when it comes to, you know, not drawing attention to ourselves. But if we have a moment where we allow somebody to do that, you know, without correcting it, you know, then uh, that kind of says that's, that becomes our culture, you know. And so um, one of the things we're always doing as far as when it comes to having a healthy culture is reinforcing the culture that's been set reinforcing the culture of the house, always reminding as new people come in, you know, helping them to see and to understand the culture of the house. So we're always, we say a lot of the same things over and 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 over again. And then when we feel like we've said it enough, we find out that we didn't say, we didn't, we need, we didn't say it again. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I don't know if that. Yeah, go for it, Sarah. I think we're also shaped by the words that we use. And I think um, in each church, you need to um, really be careful about the words that you're using in your worship environment, whether that is um, um, just a couple of examples of things that we've been really intentional about. It's a, it's a team, not a band. It's a, it's a run-through. It's not a rehearsal. It's, yeah, a, you know, it's a platform, not a, not a stage. Yes. Yes, um, right. Platform is a place of influence, a stage is a place of performance. Just choosing very carefully the words that you use can help to shape culture immensely. Um, Because um, while we don't, we never mean it in a wrong heart, if you just sit and think for a second, the difference even just between team and band, like what images does that conjure up? Just I mean, and you know, we're, we're all doing the same thing in here, right? So I'm not saying that there's any, any, you know, bad intent behind that. But um, just being really careful about the words that you choose. Um, I'm sure that there's other culture words that you guys use maybe. Yeah, I think one of the things that we uh, really try to focus on here at Highlands is um, it's interesting how, you know, just being three feet high, sorry, three feet higher than everybody else and holding an electronic device, right? Called the mic kind of gives you, it can really mess with people. You know, and, um, and it's, it is because it is influence. Um, but really one of the things that we focus on a lot, uh, because cause the truth is, is that there's a hundred, I don't know how many, there's, I'm terrible with numbers, but there's at least, there's at least five people in this room. And, um, and those five people, <laughs> those five people have five different uh, worship style preferences, right? Which is the beauty of the body of Christ. God didn't make us all to be the same. 
you know? And I love the, the, some of the messages that were even spoken this morning. You know, why are we so busy looking at everybody else? Mekon, golly, that was such a great message. So God's given us the desire to be unique. Um, but, and, and so we, so it's hard for you to just say, well, our worship culture, it's, it's easy for us. Let me say it this way to attach worship culture to a style. Yeah. That's actually a big mistake. Culture has nothing to do with your musical style. Um, that's a, that's something that you work out with your pastor. You work out with your leadership team. But, um, but when we're talking about worship culture, we're trying to, we're talking about what's going on on the inside of a person. Right. And really, you know, it says in Psalm 24, I think, or 23, Psalm 24, you know, who, it asks the question, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, right? The answer is those with clean hands, right? right. So that's, that's our behavior, right? <laughs> it's us choosing to do the right thing, but then a pure heart, a pure heart. What does the heart represent? It's our motives. And so really when we're talking about culture here at Highlands, we're talking, we're, we're, we're uh, sharing vision for what it means to hold this and to stand on that. It's not to be seen, it's not to be, it's not to use that platform as a, as a means to an end. But we're really here for, you know, serving our church. And a lot of times that means doing things that, you know, we may not musically agree with, right? You know, that, might, that might not fit into our musical taste, um, but it, we're, we're here to serve the church. And I think it's really, it's, you know, I think it's our jobs as the leaders of our worship teams to share that, like that we are servants first. Um, I love the picture um, in, in um, uh, Psalm 84. It's a famous, uh, famous verse that turned, you know, Chris Tomlin turned into a famous worship song. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And it says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And you know, when you think about a doorkeeper, um, I always think about the like the old English, um, the old English mansion. You know, you go up and you wrap the door knocker thing, and this butler opens the door. You know, he's like, "Hello, how may I serve you?" You know, I don't know. And but his job, I don't know, it's weird. That was a really bad. If there's any, if there's anybody from England in here, I just totally butchered the English accent. Sorry. Cool story, bro. It was cool. Yeah, we'll just move on. Keep moving. But. But his whole job, he's dressed well, right? He's, um, he's groomed. He's, he's got training. He's excellent in everything he does. But his whole job is literally to open the door, right? To let people in and prepare them to meet the master of the household. That's like a perfect picture of what we do as worship leaders, right? That's why worship is first. We get up for there in front. And, and hopefully we've dressed well, you know, hopefully we've trained a little bit, hopefully we've got some skills and we have a spirit of excellence so that we can literally help that precious group of people come into, you know, the, the living room and get ready to meet King Jesus. And so anyways, that's what, that's why we talk about it here. Okay. Let's keep moving on. Um, anybody else want to add anything to that? Yeah, go for it. Just real quick, just in, you know, few years, probably six or seven years back, um, you know, we're all about culture of honor and I love Highlands and how they, they show us the way on that. Um, and there, like probably seven years ago, our team, there was a few leaders on the team, um, you know, just super sarcastic and we're jokers. Like we are constantly like, we're having fun joking, but you know, when joking crosses a line and you're like, this is like inappropriate or just sarcastic and like taking shots, like you suck today, <laughs> trying to be funny, but you're like, 
what's happening? And that was really a wake-up call for our whole team. It started, it felt like it was happening a lot. And so, you know, some of the main ones, we would pull people aside like, hey, you know, just watch out what you're saying. They're like, oh, I didn't even know, sorry. And so we addressed our whole team with it because it started becoming this thing where it was like, we're just taking shots and out of sarcasm and joking and all this. And it started creating this culture where you're like, ooh, I don't even want to play with so-and-so because he's probably going to be like, dude, that sucked. You didn't miss the seven ver- or six verse or whatever. And you're like, what? Like, I just poured out my life on stage and now you're like making fun of me. And so we addressed our whole team. And I think it's important sometimes, especially if you have a lot of young people on the team, um, just to really continue continually talk about the culture of honor because it is huge. We're serving and we're pouring out and a lot of people, you know, you don't know what they're going through or what they're walking or what they're facing and just the joking and the sarcastic environment that that creates affects the worship and the worship culture and so I think just bringing, you know, bringing everybody in as a family meeting and we actually did this thing that was kind of funny but it works and if somebody on the team, you know, especially the monitor or the sound guy or someone makes a sharp comment, we would say, hey, check your mix. Because you know, if you bust somebody out in front of the whole team, then that creates awkwardness. Like, bro, watch your mouth. You're like, whoa, are you my parent? Like, what's going on? So we would say, we just had this little like thing and the whole team knew. Like if you started, you know, getting on each other or something, hey, check your mix. And it was like this little undertone thing. And then, you know, everybody's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. So it wasn't just busting people out in front of each other or feeling like we always have to have a 911 meeting behind the curtain of like, don't talk like that, I told you. So it's just this little like code word. And it really did start to shift the culture, especially for our younger ones coming up to know like, we don't talk like that. We, we honor one another and not in this weird pedestal thing, but just we're gonna honor our brothers and sisters as we minister and be good stewards of what God's gifted us. I like that. I'm gonna steal that. Check your mix. I, that's we're Check gonna. Your mix. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so let's talk a little bit then. Oh, expert panel of of yeah. Let's um. Uh, it's been. I'm tired actually. <laughs> no, it, right. I don't know. I've been in a lot of altar calls. Um. Hey. So so everything we've heard John Maxwell say. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Um. At least you should have heard that by now if you haven't. And. uh and so when it comes to worship leadership, you know, there's a lot of dynamics. It's not just in how we're leading people. It's how we're leading ourselves spiritually. It's how we're, um, uh, how we're leading others spiritually. So let me ask this question of you guys. How do you evaluate yourself as a leader in the context of worship ministry? So week in, week out, you're on, in front of everybody. You know, kind of, you kind of live your life in public a little bit. Yeah. So, so somebody jump in on that. How do you evaluate yourself as a leader, and then, and, and how does that help you with your your team? I'll I'll start. Um, so there's a sometimes it's difficult to see yourself, you know, in the moment. Um, so one of the things that's been really helpful for me is to have a few trusted individuals that um, I invite into helping me see myself. Um, so there's just, there's just a few people that, you know, it can't be everybody because everyone has opinions and that's not always necessarily super helpful, but there's a few people who see me and love me and I invite them into helping me see myself. And um, I think you've got to have a few that are um, above you or have an elevated perspective from you. So it could be a, a overseer or it could be a peer 
who serves in a completely different capacity than your, your thing outside of worship. Um, and I would always go f- for somebody who, <clears throat> that, that doesn't like need me. Right. You know, they're not like afraid of me, if you will. Like they don't serve on one of my teams. Um, they're not like super, you know, like they're, they're not like a person in the, the church who just adores what I do. And let's just be real. There's people who you send your church and they love what you do. And it's super cool. They're not the ones that you need to get feedback from. Because they're not going to be able to give you something that's really, really helpful for you, you know? So you need to have somebody that is outside of that. And, and then also, um, I just know personally for like spiritually where I am, um, my measurement is if I'm not, if, if I'm not risk getting like a regular word from God, like on a like on a like a daily weekly basis, then something's wrong yeah. in my walk, you know. So that other stuff is like for like my actions. So how am I doing on the platform? How did I communicate? Um, how did I lead that song? How did I transition that moment? Right. The other stuff is like how am I as a like a as a worshiper before? Not even a worship leader. Like how am I as a Christian? as a follower of Jesus, like, am I hearing from God? Like, if I feel dry, that, that's like a clear indicator. Like, I feel like I have no revelation right now, and something is wrong. So I, I need to go to my source, and I, and I, I really evaluate myself that way. I married an in pretty incredible thermometer in my life. Uh, she, she tells me what's up. Um, one of the indicators I really look at um, is how willing am I to give stuff away? Because uh, in the process of striving and struggling sometimes to make something happen, you know, your, your fist, stop, you stop the open-handedness of ministry and you begin to clench things. And so I kind of look at myself and am I giving things away? Am I open, am I open or am I closed-handed in a moment? And that's, that for me, that's a really great gauge of where I'm at you know, in the, in the season of worship. Why don't you, so in what ways though, is that a, is that a creative thing for you? Is it, is it um, maybe time on stage? How does that like open-handedness with what are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that could be creative. Um, you know, let me just take the ball and run and let me, let me jump onto what we talked about, kind of that, the danger of autopilot, you know, um, and let me just do what I do best? Yeah. Or am I really on the lookout? I mean, my role, I mean, our role, we, we are a towel ministry, and my role is not to sing up on a platform. It is to open doors yeah. for people uh, to equip and open doors for people to do ministry. And, and if, as soon as I start closing doors for people and I, and I really stop doing that's that, amazing. that's for me like just a big part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So uh, just continuing the conversation, just building a, a healthy worship culture. How do you guys, how do you guys maintain team health? Let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. So what's the, you know, we're, we're all, uh, we're trying to grow our teams, you know, but also we, we probably should, if we don't, we should have, you know, uh, lifestyle standards for our team. Like, how do we make sure that that those people that are on our platforms are actually healthy themselves? You know, what what are some maybe practical things that you guys do as a team um, to to gather together, uh, discipleship? Anybody got any uh, thing on that that they that, that they do in particular? Yeah, we gather together um, 
on Sunday mornings, just the way that our services are, we happen to have a service that um, each of our venues can kind of gather together during the message. Um, And so instead of having a separate team night on a rehearsal night, a run-through night, we um, try to gather together during that time. Um, And really, that is not going to be a a deep dive Bible study, but that's going to be a, a, a quick, like, here is a, here is a, a culture moment, you know, like, um, we all know culture leaks and you just have to keep saying it. Like Johnny was saying, you have to keep saying it over and over. And so it would be just a, a re up. Okay. This is what we're doing. This is the word for today. This is why we're doing this. Um, and that tends to keep everyone on the, you know, on the same page. The other thing um, that I have learned as a leader is that um, every single person's um, health, spiritual health, is not directly um, my responsibility. That right. I have to have a team yeah, good. that, yeah. um, you know, we, sh- we share the load, right? Yeah. So um, that we equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? It is my responsibility to shepherd, absolutely, yeah. But I am not personally responsible for the X, you know, number of of people on my team. We have to share the load. We just, we simply have to. Um, And that doesn't, that does not matter if your team is 10 people or if your team is 200 people. Um, We should be all about empowering. And like Stephen said, giving away ministry. Mm -hmm. We should be about, you know, giving it away and giving away. So um, I would just say, gather regularly, but also have um, those that are around you that can also help share the load. Uh, as a staff, we, we just, um, we're starting to go through this book called The Power of Moments by Chip Heath. Yes. Have you seen that, read that? Um, and just there's this idea of the moment before the moment. So we have a massive huddle culture at, at our church. So before every moment, we have a moment. And so that we always have a huddle right before um, about 30 minutes before we go out. And then we also have a huddle at the end where we all come back together, um, which you can help us provide feedback, encouragement. We celebrate like crazy. You know, one of the things we want to constantly do is celebrate and celebrate good culture. Um, you know, we were talking, you were talking about repetition. I mean, our culture, our leadership values, we've created 10 leadership values that are written all over the wall. And then we talk about those in the huddles. Um, you know, we, we do. We're, we're, we are fasting together. We're praying together. But like Tara said, we, we make sure that everyone knows that they are ridiculous responsible for the soul, for their, uh, the soul, uh, their health, soul, their soul's health, for the health of their soul. Either way you want to take that. The mirror image of those. Um, they are ridiculous, ridiculously responsible for that. Um, but we're going to offer our opportunities for people to have authentic yeah. moments of worship too. So. That's awesome. Anybody else want to jump in on that? Johnny oh, Johnny. Some. Johnny. <laughs> I hope it's good. <laughs> One of the things that we do, maybe once a quarter, we'll have like a house night where a team, you know, comes together, gathers together. And a big chunk of it is just fellowship and food. We're in Memphis, so we'll have barbecue a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, uh, but then from there, we'll spend time, just pull out an acoustic, spend some time in worship, prayer, but also at our rehearsals. So at the end of a rehearsal, we're going to spend some time in prayer, take prayer requests. Anybody got something, anything we need to be believing for? 
we'll pray for that. And then same thing, the huddle before the service. We always like to take a moment. Um, you know, if I'm leading a huddle, I'm always going to have an encouraging thought. Uh, because my hope is to always bring people back to the main thing and to the fact that, one, we get to do this. Um, God's going to do some. This is a, it may feel like the same thing, but it's not the same. It's a new day. And so there are going to be people walking into our doors for the very first time that have never walked into church before. And so, you know, just always reminding them about the main thing. And then we lift our voices and we're going to pray all together. So we just try to surround everything we're doing uh, in prayer. And, you know, in that same way, encouraging people to, to keep themselves healthy, because we always say we only serve from a place of strength. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, um, you know, when you've been doing you know, been involved in ministry and especially worship long enough. When you're around people, you can start to tell when they're sliding. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can sense it. You can feel it. And nothing trumps an individual conversation. If you feel like some of you are here today and you, there's somebody on your team that you feel like, man, I don't know what's going on. There's something funky. I don't know what it is. You need to, you need to set up a coffee or set up a meeting and, and because that, that's, you can't ignore the Holy Spirit check of like, you know, because people are walking through stuff. We're all human, right? We're all, you know, we're all prone to weakness. We're all prone to wander, right? And there has to be that bit of course correction. So one of the things in our culture is like we're willing to have the conversation and willing to ask, we say it like this, I'm willing to ask the hard questions. So like I'll sit down with young guys. I got a young worship leader right now. It's like, I'm going to ask him, you know, you've been looking at porn? Just ask that, you know, you know it's, when I got somebody I'm regularly around, it's like, I'm going to ask the hard questions uh, because that's a part of helping, helping them to maintain, you know, yeah. their, their spiritual life. And, and, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. That's so good. And I think that, that needs to be talked about more in the worship community is the, the not confrontational, but calling out the stuff. And because really people do want to be asked how they're doing. You know what I mean? Like when you really sit down with someone, like, how are you doing? They're like, they begin to open up and something about musicians and creatives and all that. There is this, this, um, Joseph says it way better than me. My husband should be here, but he's (laughs) taking care of our kids in California. Um, but just how we are, we're intimate. We're the lovers of God. And so there is this need in us for intimacy. And so many times, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but our team, sexual sin is one of the biggest struggles within the worship community. It's always sexual sin. It's not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's not, it's always sexual sin. And so we, we talk about this all the time because here's the thing. The enemy is after that intimacy that we are designed to have as the Levites, as the minstrels, as those who go before the church, we have this like this important and this closeness to God that only we have like as the Levites, it's a crazy gift that God gives us. And so of course the enemy is going to pervert that and twist that and mess that up. And so we need to be proactive in asking those questions, but here, just to be real, we need to be leading the way in this, in our own lives. We have to get any, and they've been talking about in the sessions, but if there is sin, if there is sexual sin, if you're addicted to pornography, if you're sleeping around, whatever it is, get like get it dealt with now. Like in the name of Jesus, this is not a rebuke, just take the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but get it dealt with. Go to the people, like he's saying, find the people that can speak into your life and get help because you can only lead 
where, you know, where you've gone. So if you're struggling and you're telling your team, let's be pure, let's run after the things of God, but you're struggling, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to be, and why isn't this working? And it feels like we're hitting a lid and just get that stuff dealt with so that you can say, follow me as I follow Christ and we're going to be pure. We're going to run after the holy things and we're going to honor this platform and I'll stop preaching. (laughs) That's so good. You know, it's so good that you said that because the, the, the thing that people struggle with when they're dealing with sexual sin is the shame that it comes with. And the shame causes you to hide. And, you know, because you're afraid, you know, um, Adam and Eve sinned. They were, we, were, we were afraid because we were naked, so we hid. And um, we've just got to call our people out of hiding. And the only way to do that is by loving them is loving them. And you've, you've got you've to create the kind of culture in the team that if they tell you the truth, you don't kick them out. I don't mean you've got to let them get back on the platform next Sunday, but you can't kick them out. Because guess what? Everybody else will know that you did. And, and then they just won't say a word. Um, my wife and I, were, we're in a small group, um, and like we, we were talking about like some of the stuff that the people were, were like struggling with watching pornography and like we were getting some breakthrough and stuff like that. And there was some, a few others in the, in the, in the small group that there was like this really crazy reaction about like, if you ever told me that you were watching pornography, it was a married small group. If you ever told me that you were watching this, oh my gosh, it'd be like so done. And I, I raised my hand. I was super nervous because it was like five women. And I raised my hand. I was like, <laughs> That's probably why he hasn't told you yet. Because he's a, because they're afraid. And if, if they don't know that you're going to love them through it, they'll never tell you. And then they'll continue to pour from that empty cup. And so like, if there's like that lid in your worship environment or like you feel like stuff is not landing or like, why does it feel stale in our environments? It could be because there's people who are pouring from empty cups and, and, and there's sin in their life. And they don't know how to deal with it. They have no clue how to deal with it. And we've got to love them through it. And they got to know that it's safe on your team. Right. That's so good. Yeah. That's good. Wow. We could almost end right there. That was really good. That was awesome. Um, and, yeah, we went real deep. I think, let me just add on to what's been added on to what's been added on. Is, um... You know, I think, I think what you're saying, Birch, is just building a, a culture of trust. Yeah. It's almost like the more communication there is about it, we're not, we're not cheapening the sin. We're not making it a light thing. Right. There's still got weight and gravity to it, and it has to be dealt with. But what's happened is they, they know that we're, we're their advocate, we're there for them. Yes. And the heart is restoration. I mean, you think, you look through the Bible, you know, it's, it's over and over again, yeah, that that God wants to restore people. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and the enemy really is trying to steal the worship from our church. He really is. I think it's a real thing. Let me just encourage you. This is kind of moving on, but, but worship is not singing songs. Worship is spiritual warfare. Yeah. Yeah. There is like, there is a, you know, the story of Daniel. He prayed and fasted for 21 days. He didn't even know it, but there was crazy things going on in the heavenly realms during that 21 days. And so, so we have to understand that every time we step on the stage, it doesn't matter if we're singing an old hymn or, you know, dancing around to some synth sounds. You know, there is, there's a spiritual dynamic that's going on. 
And we've really got to step up into that and lead that. And, um, and all these, these folks up here do it in such a great, in such a great way. Let's, um, let's dive in. We're kind of halfway through. So I want to transition, if it's okay, into your questions. So can we get, hey, Chris and Eric, why don't you guys come grab two of these mics and we'll share these mics run up here. Oh, you already got them. You got one? Come, yeah, okay, come grab mics. Okay, great, we got two people. Never mind, sorry. Um, I think our first question was right here, so come on, run up here. If you have a question, just, uh, it's Chris, and then Hannah, do you have, or Eric has the other one, okay? So get his attention right there. Go for it. I don't wanna go all future boy, especially because we just launched in January. But I know that song selection really builds culture, and especially for the church, not just the team. Um, but at same token, at what point, songs gotta come from somewhere, and so is it helpful at all to write songs towards culture, or is it distracting, and at what point, like who, how, when, where, how, you know? I'll, let me jump in on that, and then Tara, please. I think, I think it is, let me just say this, because you, you made a great point. I think, I think there, there's a wealth of songs in the body of Christ, so especially as you're beginning out, beginning as a church, don't waste energy, honestly. This might, this might depress all the creative-minded people in here. <laughs> don't waste energy, time and energy on trying to write a song. There are hundreds and hundreds of great songs mm -hmm. everywhere. And I guarantee you can find a song that perfectly states the culture that you're trying to build. Okay? With that being said... Um, I think it is so important to listen to, that's why you can't be in the green room or the side room if you're you know, a portable church, whatever it is. You cannot be outside of the service after the worship set. You have to be listening to what the words that are coming out of the mouth of your pastor because, because you will pick up so much on that. Uh, I'll tell this, quickly the story of Highlands over the last year and a half. Um, our pastor's been saying, listen guys, these songs are all great, that, I'm, that you're, you're sharing with me that you wanna do, but a lot of them talk, are talking about you and they're not talking about Jesus. And so that, that became a real thing for us. We had lots of great conversations. He, he would preach on it. He's like, what if we were just to, to you know, next time we do a, an, an album, let's make it 100% songs that literally talk about us moving towards God, not God toward, moving towards us. Yep. And, and talking about Jesus' nature. And so, and that's a, that's a beautiful part of the culture of our church. Doesn't mean that the songs that talk about me are wrong. That's not even what we're saying at all. It's just that that was coming out of his, that was the language coming out of his heart. He's my spiritual authority. So I wanna, I wanna come up right up underneath that, you know, and we're gonna write songs or we're gonna select songs that kind of flow in that vein because I think I said it yesterday, God's, God's anointing flows down through spiritual authority. It really does. Right. And so I don't want to be outside of that authority, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to be right up in that. So Tara, do you have something? It's a great question. That is a great question. Um, if you are in a place where you're writing songs, as creatives, I want to challenge you to write songs for where you want your church culture to be, yes. not necessarily where you are now. Um, let me just quickly explain a little bit. I'm not sure if during conference, if you've heard at all about what's happening at Seacoast, but we have seen um, just very quickly God do some incredible things in the last four months um, in the area of miraculous healing. Um, and every time that we gather, people are being miraculously healed. Um, started on January 23rd uh, with one particular event and has just kind of gone from there. However, um, a, um, a year and a half ago, 
Um, we got together as a team, and we have a songwriting culture at, at our church, but we got together as a team and started, um, we were really feeling like that our, we just wanted more for our people, and we wanted them to see the fullness of what was available to them in Christ. Um, and so we started writing songs about miracles, and we started writing songs about dry bones coming to life, and it felt really weird singing those songs when people were looking at you on the Sunday morning with their arms crossed drinking their coffee and kind of like, entertain me, you know? You know that look, you know? Um, and it felt weird singing those songs, but we, you know, persevered. And I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that it was the songs that, that, you know, helped God do what he did. Please don't hear that. But I'm just saying um, the worship culture shifted because we began to believe things that were not yet. We we began to believe things that miracles were coming and that God was gonna shift the culture. So just as creatives, I would like to encourage you to write for where you wanna go. Would you say that's like sing and claim it? Sing and claim it. Somebody over here, okay. Go ahead and stand up so we can see you and answer your question. Hey, so um, what are some things that I can do to become more of a generational team like you talked about yesterday and then with that how do I at 22 lead a team of 40 50 year olds Uh, I think you know honestly thinking about those I mean you're 22 so it's like thinking about those that are coming up is so important Um, and then also not worrying so much about getting or gaining the authority to tell the older people what to do I'm a PK my dad was a worship pastor. And so when I had to step into like a, a leadership role as a worship person, these people saw me as like a child. You know what I mean? Like they're like, what's she doing? And I'm like, okay, everybody, this is what we're going to do. And it was a little bit of a battle for me because I was, you know, 18 trying to tell 45 year olds, like, we're not doing it that way. This is how it's going to be. This is where we're headed. Um, but I think going at it with such a humble heart and being like, dude, we're just here to serve together. People will see that in you and they will follow you. And if you are bold in who you are and who God's created you to be even as a leader and just like, you know, running after the things of God, the older ones will just, they'll go with you. And if, you know, you get a couple of the crazies who are like, oh, son, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, go to your pastor or somebody to deal with that. But don't try to, you know, come against them and be like, I'm the boss and they give me the authority, which you do not seem like you have that demeanor at all. So that's for somebody else <laughs> that needs that answer. Um, but constantly thinking about those who are coming up and then just grab them and say, hey, you know, come to practice with me, bring your acoustic, sit beside me. Like just looking out for the young ones who are just eager and wanting to serve and, and bring them all aside and you you will watch as they will begin to develop into what you see in your mind or what you're looking for in a worship team. So just keep looking out, but don't worry too much about the older crazies. The older crazies. The older crazies. <laughs> wow. Sorry if you're it. over 50. That's good. Hey, uh, I, when, I, when, I was, when I first became a worship pastor at 28, full-time ministry. First time I was in full-time, 28 years old. And uh, I was literally in charge of this campus with like the least amount of diversity. It was like all beautiful single people. That was like our worship team. It was like the most ideal worship album cover you ever saw in your life. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, uh, but I remember when I got to move from that location to, um, because that was like, it was, we were right in the middle of Palm Beach Atlantic University in the middle of West Palm Beach, Florida. So it's like where all the people go to the school because you get to be on the beach. And, um, but when I moved to a, to a family campus and I learned how to celebrate families, like at a 6 a.m. rehearsal when there's kids running around, you know, and you learn how to pack a party. Like you learn how to celebrate the husband that's w- watching kids while, you know, his wife comes to serve for literally eight to nine hours, you know, throughout the day or the mom, you know, who's, you know, getting things like you learn to celebrate them as much as the person that picks up a pair of drumsticks and you learn to just celebrate family and you open up your spaces to family. Like it, it changes the relational weight that you, you can speak into. I mean, that's, that's massive for me. So real, real quick, I, I think, that, I think there's two things because your question was two parts. I think as far as like those who are older than you and as you're trying to lead them, I think nothing creates trust more than consistent excellence. So if you, not like perfection, not like over the top, not domineering, any of that, but you're consistently operating with the spirit of excellence. So like if you tell them to be there at 6 p.m., you be there at 5.30 and, yeah. and ready and waiting for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if, you, if, you, if you're expecting them to be able to memorize song lyrics, then you lead your rehearsal with your back to the confidence monitor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you, you show them consistently that I have a spirit of excellence. Yep. Um, they'll, they'll trust you. They will. They will. And, you, and what did the Bible say? Jesus, as he got older, grew in um, wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. So let's trust the process. It, it will happen over time. Yep. Like, so just like trust the process in that. And then as you do that, you're going to be able to do that for the younger people. So like as the older generation trusts you, then you get to loan your equity to those younger people. And then all of a sudden they're getting to stand on your shoulders and everybody trusts them because the, you, you brought them up. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. So it's like, it's like answering your texts in a timely fashion or your emails, right? Yeah. Showing up to the meeting you're supposed to be at, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, Really, though, I mean, I, I, I'm saying that as a, as a worship pastor who's constantly looking for young people to, to be on our team. I'm looking for somebody who, when I have a meeting with them, they're actually there a few minutes early. It makes a huge difference. They may not even have the musical talent at the same level as somebody else, but the fact that they're there, it's like, hey, you get that song. You're going to lead. It's amazing the trajectory of people who can figure out that dynamic. It's really, that's, that's awesome. Okay, I think we have one over here. Keep getting in. Uh, Eric's over here. We have, okay, we'll come to you next. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, thank you for your time and for all you, you all do. Um, so I wanted to go back to the conversation about relational equity and being proactive and having, you know, hard conversations and, you know, sin and all that kind of stuff. So unless you're a team of, you know, 50, 75, 100 people plus, um, sometimes you, you're not going to have equal gender leadership representation on the team. And so, how, you know, if you're a female who's the worship pastor or a male, how do you ensure that the opposite gender is also getting equal pastoring on that level without crossing lines? Wonderful question. Well, my suggestion, because a part of it is 
when it comes to pastoring happening for people, um, it depends on even the context of your church. You know, we, we say all the time, ministry flows out of relationship. Um, well, for some people, that relationship, like if you're the worship pastor and you got a bunch of girls on your team, obviously you can't be like, hey, let's go to coffee, you know? Uh, quick way to lose your job real quick, you know? <laughs> but there are other women in your church that may not be on the worship team that can help you take care of these, these young ladies. And so a part of it is, like one of the things we encourage people on our team, you need to be a part of a life group outside of, you know, so yeah, you got the worship team and that can be like a life group for you, but you need to be a part of a women's Bible study group and be a part of, you know what I mean? So, so it's gonna happen through multiple avenues. So there, you know, sometimes like when it comes to pastoring, it doesn't all come from one place. You have multiple touches, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, so there's multiple people that speak into our lives for certain things. And so I would encourage somebody in that position, I'm gonna start identifying people in my church that could say, okay, can you help me? You know, if, if I got a, like young ladies, like I'm a campus pastor as well. And so I, I have a lady on my team. She's really like, she's my assistant campus pastor. And she, she like gets all up in stuff with ladies on our team because I can't take my female team leaders out to lunch. Or if I do, she's coming with me. So, but you know, so she and I will meet at the restaurant because we don't ride together, you know, because I'm married. And so I'm not riding with another woman in the car. That ain't my daughter, you know what I mean? Yep. Or my mama. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so, so we'll meet at the restaurant and meet this other lady there, you know what I mean? To give that opportunity. So now I have the opportunity to speak into her, to build that relational equity. Um, but you just gotta be creative. Utilize other people. There's other spiritual, mature people in your church that can help, that can help, you know, that can help facilitate that, so... Awesome. Okay. And over here. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, I'll answer for us. We, um, you know, we, we, I think it's, I don't think you can ever overplan something as long as you hold your plan loosely, you know, and you let the, you let the moment be what it is. So last, I'll just give you a, for instance, of last night, um, <clears throat> we were doing the, um, we were, we did that song, How I Need You, and Caitlin, the, 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 in the main auditorium, the girl who sang it in the main auditorium, Caitlin, I just said, hey, let's just, you know, you can just, let's either, you know, play the chorus again, play the bridge again, or you just feel the moment. But what I was, I was, I knew I was coming after that. I sing the song after that. But I had a moment if I felt like I had one prepped. But I felt like it was just like if she's gonna, I'm gonna trust her to hear the Holy Spirit. But the thing is, is it's safe. There's safety in the context that we've already had a conversation about it. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like we're both just like Holy Spirit. You know where are you? You know we're not having that. It's not like this. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not this mystical. Thing. It doesn't have to be. I think it's just like, hey, you know, if you're feeling it right here, I'm going to yield to what yep. you're feeling because I trust you yep. to hear from the Holy Spirit. If you don't feel it, then I may or may not take a moment here. And it was just a simple conversation. We, um, for those of us who were on that stage last night, we did not, we did not practice what happened. 
the little, she wanted this little sing the name of Jesus thing. And it was a, a sweet moment. It was a Selah moment that was sp- completely spontaneous. I mean, I think we had maybe the chord progression is what we, what we had talked about. But, and so then when I went into my song, I just went into, you know, amazing love. I just started singing it. Because if I would have then taken another moment, it'd be like, shut up, let's just sing the song, you know? <laughs> so. Uh, so at our church, we, we have a little bit more... Um, time, I don't know, space for some flow moments that we call them. So we usually will have like two to three like mainly like song leaders, but really at the, there's the top person who's really carrying the weight of the service. So in moments where, you know, our space moment, like we'll say, hey, in the middle of these two songs, if we sing a chorus of a hymn or if you feel something from the Holy Spirit, speak it out. But we give like windows, this sounds like super intense, but we give windows of time. Like if, especially for our new people coming up, if they're going to take, (laughs) we're stewarding these people. If they're going to take a moment and believe that God is saying something to them, they have a short window there. We're not doing two passes of the progression. They got 30 seconds. If the Holy Spirit is not, okay, is he saying something? We're not, we're all just going to sit and stare at Birch until he's ready. You know, we got people who have never been in church before, like, what is happening right now? So we tell our up and coming leaders, like you have 30 minutes or 30, not 30 minutes. Holy (laughs) (laughs) We're that church. 30 seconds, 30 seconds to sense what you're going to say, step out and do it. And then in that moment, if they're like, I'm not, I feel like we just need to sing the chorus again. We go back around the chorus, but I think communication is so key. And if you have, you know, multiple services, like after the first service, go, Hey, how'd you feel on that? Or even before, like sound check, like, Hey, I feel like I'm getting something or one of your leaders say I'm feeling something. Okay. Well, let's make eye contact because if it starts to be a battle of leadership on stage, everyone senses that in the atmosphere of like, no, me, and then the person's going, you're like, who's leading? What's happening? So I think establishing even just the, like, who is the main one for this service? So if everything falls apart, it's on that guy. But if everything is like, okay, we're going this way, it's on that guy. But then they can also pass the torch and say, hey, you feeling something? Or, you know, look to each other. It's it's all about team communication and just making sure you're clear lines. That's fantastic. Let's go right back here. Thank you. Um, I come from a church where uh, our vision is to create engaging environments for unchurched people. Uh, so sometimes what we'll do as a tool is we'll uh, play a secular song to either um, go along with the message, elevate and uh, captivate those who are unsaved. Uh, sometimes we get backlash saying it takes the holiness out of worship and such. Um, where do you stand as employing secular music as a tool. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that. I think, you know, I think you need to follow the vision of your church. I think, um, I, I honestly, I feel like the Lord, we probably, the, the Lord works through all of us. And I think that's the beauty of the body of Christ, you know? Um, and so I would say that there are secular songs that, that would probably not be on the list because of the, the subject matter too. So I think you just even need to exercise wisdom and all, all of that as you would with your pastor anyways. Um, I think, you know, if, if you're going to do it, just always, just always bring it back to the point of glorifying Jesus. But I, again, I think we need to reach people in every possible way that we can. And if that's working in your, in your community, you know, and you're reaching people, then man, we're 100% behind you on it. That's, yeah, that's great. Okay, where's the, where are we at? Okay, yes, sir. Yeah, you mentioned earlier uh, 
doing huddles both before and after. What would you say specifically for after the set list? What is your emphasis for the huddles for that for that time frame? Uh, we just started. We just implemented this in our at our church, and it's been really great. So we. Um, We'll do a couple of different, like we call them rallies, um, pre-service and post-service rallies. And we'll do one after our first service and we'll evaluate the entire service. And that one's a little bit more like, did we nail it? Did we nail a transition? So we'll kind of, with a fine tooth comb, go through the entire experience. So we'll get, it, we'll get worship leader in the room, um, MD, um, um, A1, so audio person, uh, campus pastor if they're available, uh, service producer, and, um, and you know, the main communicator, and we'll go through the entire thing. So, like, did we start on time? That's always the first time we evaluate, you know, did we, how was our transition going into, you know, pre-roll into song one? You know, did the worship leader communicate clearly? Was it, was it strong? You know, did we nail everything? Like lighting transitions, was anything harsh? Did we miss anything? And we'll just do that whole thing for everything. We'll give feedback on the message as well too. Um, and, you know, like that's, that's one where like, we're ensuring that the people who are giving feedback to the message can actually contribute in a way that would help the communicator like get better for the next one. So like if if you're like ah I didn't, the joke wasn't funny like you know sometimes it's not always super helpful. Um, so but um, so like something towards the content that helps it, and then so we'll do we'll do that after the very first service and after this next one if that's necessary. Then each different department will have their own rally post service. And that's usually to celebrate the day. And we, we, we celebrate a bunch of things. Like, we'll celebrate, like, somebody who, like, hey, this was their first Sunday on. They crushed it. Or, like, hey, you know, I, I saw that you had to adjust based upon some feedback that I gave you, and you did that, and it was awesome. Way to go. Um, if anybody had something that came up in conversation and needed prayer, we pray over them in that moment at the, before everybody leaves. And we'll just, like, celebrate a bunch of stuff in that. So it's kind of a mixture of, like, how, what, like what went well, what can we improve on, and then celebrating everything that took place. Yeah. I think that's so key. Like, you, you don't want to tell a drummer after four services that he did something wrong. Like, you know, <laughs> timing is so key on that. So at the end, it's, it is really about celebrating. Like, who's new? Who can we celebrate? Who can we honor? This person came from another location and to serve us today and making sure that they just know that how much part of the family they are. And so I think that timing piece is, is so key. That's great. Right here. Yes, sir. I'm one of the older crazies. Uh, so. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, uh, to the young man's qu uh, question over there, I'm 53. My band leader is 20. And as uh, we've built up a culture of mutual respect and love and trust. Uh, uh, so I, I trust him where his heart is. So uh, I trust him in leading me. So whether, so when you build up that culture, it, the age doesn't matter yeah. anymore if, if you build up that culture. Uh, my question is, um, how do you guys um, uh, grow your team? Um, to, because we're, um, we're kind of in the stage, we're kind of in a stagnant stage where we haven't had a lot of new people come in. And so everybody is serving like every Sunday. I've served every Sunday for the last four months, which I love, but 
I'm afraid of hitting that point where, you know, and we're all afraid of hitting that point where we burn out. So how do you add, um, what are some creative ways to, yeah. to get the word out to add people to your team? Anybody? I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I, I think the simple thing is, is to create a, 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 non, a low pressure environment for people to, to, to uh, figure out how to do what we do on stage. So every week, um, Highlands, we, we have a development rehearsal on Thursday nights. So it's that we plan, we schedule them in planning center. It's from five. I'll tell you our times, five thirty to seven. It's an hour and a half. Um, people who go through our audition, we never take them straight from the audition to the platform. We uh, we bring we just take them through a process because maybe they they don't know how to use in ears or maybe they've never played with a click track or or tracks or have never heard an um, an MD mic or a guide mic in their in their ears. So there's lots of little things that people need to learn. And so, um, so, so the way you develop it is you, first of all, you need to have a consistent, in my mind, you need to have a consistent front door to your team. This probably sounds crazy to some of you, but I think every month you should have some sort of, you should be auditioning somebody or at least asking somebody to audition. Uh, we have auditions every month. Um, and then from that audition, they go into this, this development rehearsal. We actually have people like you, you know, that you've served on the team. You're, you're a really important member of the team. You kind of know the, the, the drill. They show up to that rehearsal. We're running through the same songs as the team that's going to be on Sunday set will, will be playing. Um, and they'll run a song, get feedback. So I don't know what instrument or if you're a vocalist or whatever, but you would walk up on stage and say, hey, this, man, great job. Here's what, why don't you try it this next time? Next time we do this song, tweak this, tweak that. And they just go through that. They just get coaching. And they do that until we feel like they're in a spot where they can, they can step onto the platform and really, and really contribute. So I feel, feel like you have to have a, a, a consistent and really clear front door to the team. I think a lot of times it can be hard for somebody to figure out how do I even join the team. So you just just be, hey, we're having auditions, you know, this coming whatever night it is. And we'd love for you, maybe it's an announcement. Um, but And then just have a lot of them. I think a lot of times you, we miss people because we don't give them opportunities to be seen. Um, and so you kind of have to create the, those opportunities. And then just have some sort of process where you're not just throwing them. Because I, I know we've had some we've had some burnouts before, right? Like that person's amazing. You throw them on the team. You're like, what happened? You know, what happened to the person that I saw in the audition? So you just have to take them through a process of that. And uh, if you have more questions about it, I can talk to you more about that offline if you want to. I want to get to just a few more questions before we have to go. So where's the other mic here? Okay, hey. Mine kind of goes along, actually, with what he was saying. We have a great culture on our team, I feel like, but we, we still only have probably 20 people on our team. And so when someone cancels and can't play, you have that guy who loves to serve every week that's like, oh, I'll serve again. Uh, but then you see them starting to get burnout. So I guess my question is, how do you... I'm the kind of leader that's like, that's fine. We'll just put the base in the track for this week because I don't want them to get burnout. But they're constantly wanting to. And then all of a sudden, it's a crash. Like, I have to be off the team because I'm exhausted. How do you help prevent that? I don't know if that's basically the same thing, but... Why is it always the bass player? Yeah. <laughs> People say it's the drummer. Not, not for me. It's always the bass player. Uh, your answer? No. <laughs> it's always the bass player. <laughs> I, I, I play bass, and I was like, man, come on, bass players. 
Um, you know, I think a couple of things. Um, maybe there's, this might be two things, and this might not completely get your question answered, but I think this might be a place to start. Um, I think there needs to be, in addition to the healthy culture in your team, a high sense of personal responsibility. That everybody who commits to the team knows that, like, when I call out, I'm not just hitting cancel on Planning Center. I'm calling out on Birch, on Jordan, on this person. I'm canceling out on seven other people who've been busting their tails this week, rehearsing, taking care of their kids, going to work, commuting, and I'm leaving them high and dry. And, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot of non-essential positions on our team. Like, everything is so essential to what we're doing. So, like, when, when, I, when, pe- when I, people join my team, like, I, I don't allow them to just text me and say, I'm not showing up. I'm saying, you better call me. Or, and because and, and, what, what, what we want people to get is that they don't just text me and say that, like, they can't make it. It's that they call their friend or another person, and they help to create their, you know, their, their uh, fill-in. But I, I, I really want to make sure people feel like the weight, not unnecessary amounts of weight because they are also dream volunteers. Like I get it, you know, everybody gets a couple of those, you know, but like if it's like a consistent thing, like they need to understand, like maybe this isn't the season for you to serve on this team. If you can't commit to a B schedule, whatever it is, um, maybe that's, maybe it's not the season for you and a, a season will come when you can be here, but maybe this isn't the season right now. And I love you, but I'm not going to keep putting the rest of the team through this. You got to get, you got to figure out where you need to be at. And so maybe that's where it starts. And then maybe the other thing is like, um, it's just really creating that, that, that community where they know who the other people are. Um, they know friends, they have connections, and they are a part of filling that hole instead of just putting you, unfortunately, in that situation to feel all the weight, you know, scrambling on Saturday night. One of the things I, we just try to encourage our team to be recruiters. You know, I think sometimes we can lose sight of that's a part of worship team not being back in a green room between ser- during service or between services. I, w- I got on this yesterday because I'm a campus pastor and I, I don't... I don't like that. It's like, this is, we're not here for us. When we come to church, we're not here for us. And we could be sitting around complaining, I don't have enough people, but you don't ever talk to any new people when they come through the door. And so that, that's a, you know, it's like, so I'm always on the worship team at my campus and just, even, you know, even at our church, it's like, man, you need to be getting out there and meeting somebody because the next bass player could be standing out there at the cafe but nobody ever went to talk to him to find out he plays bass and maybe he's not at the level we want him, but we can get him there if somebody would just be friends with him, but nobody talked to him, so he never came back. You know what I mean? And so that's what I would encourage, just your teams, man. On Sunday morning, the lobby is your place to be. Meet new people in between services, before and after services. Man, I'm out, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. You know what I mean? And And that's how we have to be because you're meeting new people, but we're also recruiting people to take their next step because it's not just about the worship team, right? Some people, it may not be the worship team. I'm just trying to get them to take whatever their next step is. It may be growth track. It may be a leadership environment. It may be serving on the greeter team because all that's going to build the whole church because that's what we're really trying to do, not just build our team. You know, our team, we're trying to build the team, you know? 
And so, so recruit, recruit. You know, I tell our team, you're the CRO, the chief recruiting officer. <laughs> you know? That's great. That's awesome. Hey, would you join me in just uh, thanking this panel, incredible panel. Thank you so much.